and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. In this episode, we're talking about a UFO Pentagon briefing 55 years after the fact. That's correct, a UFO Pentagon briefing 55 years after the fact. Now, this article comes to us from CalgaryHerald.com. The title says, Nearly six decades after Seminole, Montana UFO incidents, Air Force vets brief Pentagon. And the subtitle says, When I saw it, my mind was blown. I didn't believe in UFOs when I was growing up. You know what? A lot of us didn't. Not until we saw one. Now, the article is written by Bill Kaufman, published March 26, 2023. And it begins the article. He says, On the night of March 24, 1967, Robert Salas was a 26-year-old Air Force Lieutenant Colonel, 20 meters, that'd be about 65 feet below the Montana Prairie, overseeing weaponry that could obliterate millions. Of course, we're talking about the nuclear weapons, nuclear missile site out there, and the UFO uh, incident that occurred. He says, instead, without any warning, Salas set his menacing cluster of 10 Minutemen and one intercontinental ballistic missiles burled beneath the Maelstrom Air Force Base, a five-hour drive southeast of Calgary, seemed to be prey. In other words, they were just shut down. They were inoperable. He says, quote, I felt we were under attack, said Salas in a phone interview from his home near Ventura, California. But the assailants, he said, weren't any Cold War foes. Soviet technology couldn't have abruptly disabled the missile's guidance and control system, which is what happened that night. You would have had to have set individual signals to each missile, and within seconds, we had no power, said Salas, 82. This had never happened before, and we have nothing that could do that now. Salas said what transpired above his concrete and steel bunker holds the answer, or at least one of them. It says, just moments before the system's failure, a non-commissioned security officer on the surface made a series of increasingly frenzied phone calls to Salas, describing an oval-shaped form with pulsating, glowing orange-red lights hovering over the installation. That almost sounds a little bit like what Jimmy Carter reported. This pulsating light changes color, changes size. And another interesting thing right there is the fact that we have two uh, Air Force personnel talking about the same thing. You've got the guy uh, underground who is dealing with the effects of this thing, and you have the guy above ground who's watching it happen in real time. I don't think your witnesses get much better than that. It says the NCO had already described, had also described the approach of the silent object which was making an unusual controlled maneuver, such as flying very fast, coming to a dead stop, then reversing course and making 90-degree turns, said Salas, who was locked into the subterranean capsule for security reasons. Now imagine being locked into this missile silo while your counterpart above ground is describing this uh, strange UFO, this glowing, glowing orange-red lights hovering over the installation, and it's making... Uh, all kinds of crazy maneuvers, flying very fast, coming to a dead stop, then reversing, it says, making 90-degree turns. Look, not a weather balloon, not the planet Venus. And in 1967, it certainly wasn't drones. goes on, it says, he was screaming on the phone, terrified. I told him to secure the facility at all costs. Probably kind of wondered how he was going to do that. Responding to his orders, other security guards scrambled to other launch sites and the complex only to see glowing objects hovering over them, said Solace. So now you're dealing with multiple UFOs. He goes on, he says, It was reported they lost radio contact with the flight security controller and were very shaken by the experience, he said. 
Less than a minute after the pulsating object had arrived over his launch control center, it had quickly departed, said the U.S. Air Force veteran. The dumbfounded officer soon found himself in a meeting with the squadron commander and a special investigations officer and was told the incident didn't involve any kind of Air Force exercise. So you have a moment of transparency, a moment of truth there before the deep state has the chance to come in and generate a parallel narrative. It says Sala said he was also told to never speak of the incident as it was now classified. I signed a non-disclosure agreement. I didn't start talking about it until 1996, he said. He recalls at the time in 1967, his colleague, Colonel Fred Mewell, telling him there had been an earlier similar incident at Maelstrom, but only discovered decades later it had occurred just eight days before his own experience. So you see, as these guys are uh, communicating with each other, they find out that they're not the only ones to have had this experience. So here we have a couple of different uh, incidences over the period of about a week and a half where this UFO has showed up on the scene of this nuclear uh, missile installation and shut down the missiles. goes on and says, He also learned 10 ICBMs have been disabled under identical circumstances in September 1966 at the Minot Air Force Base in North Dakota. There you go. We have a, So we have a case that happened at Malmstrom out there in Wyoming, and then we have this case in Minot, North, North Dakota, just within, day, within eight days of each other. Within a span of six months, we lost 30 nuclear missiles to UFO set cells, who provided an Air Force document declassified in 1996 regarding the March 16th incident in Malmstrom, east of Great Falls. The March 17, 1967 communication contains clear expressions of alarm and bewilderment. All 10 missiles in echo flight at Maelstrom lost strategic alert with 10, within 10 seconds of each other, it reads. The fact that no apparent reason for the loss of 10 missiles can be readily identified is cause for grave concern at this headquarters. It goes on and says, During his remaining two years on missile duty in Maelstrom, Salas said he never once heard the incidents mentioned, but added he rebuffed security officer witnesses agitated pleas to discuss March 24th, soon after it happened, out of fear of breaching an order. He probably didn't want to end up locked up in a brig. But with the release in recent years of U.S. Navy videos of pilots' encounters with unidentified aerial phenomena, UAPs, and a trickle of other evidence, the taboo has thawed at last. At, and last year, the U.S. Department of Defense created the All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, this is AARO, which Salas describes as a conduit for whistleblowers. Well, we can only hope. To the mission of the AARO, the mission of the AARO will be, will be to synchronize efforts across the Department of Defense and with other federal departments and agencies to detect, identify, and attribute objects of interest in, on, or near military installations, operating areas, training areas, spatial use, airspace, and other areas of interest and as necessary to mitigate any associated threats to safety of operations and national security, states a July 20th, 2022 press release. It goes on, it says, on February 15th, Salas said, said for nearly two hours, he briefed by phone an AAR official on his 1967 experience in what he called a watershed moment. Interesting that they're talking to these guys over the phone and not, you know, in a public setting in front of the Senate. 
but at least I guess someone did speak to him. He's convinced the military and government has covered up incidents it's known for, of all too long. That's really courageous that he come out and say that. He's convinced the military and government has covered up incidents it's known of all along. Quote, it is a milestone for me because I have never told my story to a government office, he said, adding the AARO officially seemed receptive and appreciative. I went through all the details extensively. It shows they're at least open to listening to a witness and making an official record of what we say. Salas said he provided AARO with 22 pieces of documentary evidence, including written notes and video. Now, it's amazing that this guy's had this evidence all this time. Or, you know, it, I just wonder how much of it came from <clears throat> that night, but the fact that he's kept these notes and this documented evidence is just awesome. It says, Affidavits signed by several other officers 13 years ago attest to the occurrence of Minot and in Montana, which extended over months and whose frequency even necessitated spatial UFO briefings. So it sounds like these things have become a common occurrence. You know, if that were to happen today, they would just say, well, it was drones. Remember when they had the, the drone swarms a couple of years ago, and, and people were told, don't shoot them down, but we never got an explanation on what they were. Just like we haven't gotten an explanation on what those UFOs were that were shot down over uh, Alaska, Yukon, and Lake Huron. Because on it says, Patrick Madonna was an airman first class sur doing surveying work at launch sites in Malmstrom in September 1966 when he says a brilliantly lit craft 20 meters in diameter it's about 65 feet again hovered about 100 meters 300 feet above him so imagine he's looking up in the sky not that high up 300 feet and he sees this craft about 65 feet across brilliantly lit it seemed to have pulsating lights going around it and a white light from the center looking down into the silo. There was no wind, no noise, he told the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. in September 2010. These things are definitely interested in our nuclear weapons system. Now we can assume that, well, they're just here to try to test out systems to protect us from killing ourselves. We might also assume that they're looking to disable those things at some later time, if they would need to launch an attack on us, who knows? It goes on and says, from this dead stop, it shoots off to the east, just like now you see it, now you don't. Now, talking about that hyper-acceleration that you see at these UFOs that would be physically impossible with a man-made craft. It says, a police officer, his team encountered soon after the sighting, he said, told them there had been more than 20 UFO sightings reports in the area that night. Gazzani says, the day before Salas spoke to AARO, U.S. Air Force veteran Bob Jacobs shared with the office his recollections of September 14, 1964, the day he said he viewed a film of UAP shooting down a warhead off the coast of California. We've talked about that on the podcast before, but it's good to hear that these guys at least are getting their testimonies on record with AARO. It says, I've been trying for 40 years to get the government to listen to me, and the AARO official said, now you are said Jacobs, of the nearly three-hour telephone brief briefing. Well, I wish he would have recorded that. I was not interrupted. He only asked me to not name names, and I didn't. What he did tell AARO is how he operated an experimental photo project capturing the, the trajectory of an Atlas D using an extremely powerful telescope and high-resolution camera. 
Well, it would have been nice if he named names. That way maybe they could complete the investigation. A few days after the launch at Vandenberg Air Force Base, Jacobs said he was summoned to a meeting attended by his military superior and two men in gray suits and viewed a 16mm copy of the original 35mm film of the missile's journey. In it, a saucer-like craft appeared near the missile's dummy nuclear warhead, traveling up to 9,000 miles per hour at the edge of space and hit it four times with some kind of a beam toppling, toppling it into the ocean below, he said. Imagine that. They've got this dummy nuclear warhead on top of this missile. It's flying into space. That's at the edge of space. They're doing this test with it. They've got this high-powered camera aimed at it, and it records a video shooting what looks like a laser beam into this thing four separate times before it sends it off into space, tumbling into space. It says, when I saw it, my mind was blown. I didn't believe in UFOs when I was growing up, said the retired first lieutenant from his home at Southern Missouri. UFOs are real. At the meeting, the Air Force veteran said he was asked if he and his colleagues had doctored the film, a suggestion he vehemently denied. I said, it looks like we've got a UFO, and was told, you're never to say that again. This never happened. <laughs> He's convinced the original film and its print were destroyed, adding he was mysteriously harassed even violently after first publicly speaking about the episode in the early 1980s. Well, that film's probably sitting in a vault somewhere in a basement that belongs to the deep state. That's my guess. He's lost teaching jobs for speaking out, he says, but doesn't regret doing it. article says, starting to finish up here, it says, When asked by Post Media why the U.S. government is now interested in veterans' recollections and what will be done with them, a Pentagon spokesman Spokeswoman said they've been directed to review the phenomena from January 1st, 1945 to present. Now, I want to read that statement from the Pentagon again. It says, when asked by Post Media why the U.S. government is now interested in veterans' recollections and what will be done with them, a Pentagon spokeswoman said they've been directed to review the phenomena from January 6th, excuse me, from January 1st, 1945 to present. I almost wonder, like I said, if they aren't just getting a hold of these old-timers, getting the stories down on paper, and saying, we've investigated it. I'm, I'm suspicious because, just like the last uh, fellow that spoke, he said they called and talked to him for three hours, but they said, don't give us any names. Well, what kind of investigation is it if you don't get the names of the people involved? Okay. It goes on and says, this review includes oral history interviews, open source analysis, interviews with current and former U.S. government officials, review of national archives and records, and other relevant sources, Susan Gow said in an email. Well, there you go. You got your, you, you got your email. You know, I'm glad these guys were able to tell their story, but you know what? It would have been so much better if they would have simply made uh, a YouTube video or a podcast and just put everything out there uh, in the open for posterity to see. And you know what? Add some names to it. That's what I would suggest, if you can do it without going to prison at least. AARO is committed to pursuing all viable leads to ensure a thorough and a comprehensive historical review. Really? Are they really trying to ensure a thorough and comprehensive historical review when they tell the person that they're interviewing that saw the UFO shoot down a uh, test missile to not mention any of the other people's names? Does that sound thorough to you? It doesn't sound thorough to me. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. 
A heightened willingness to confront the phenomena isn't confined to the United States. A year ago, after receiving decades of reports of drone or UAP sightings over over Canadian nuclear power installations in several provinces, Manitoba MP Larry McGuire asked Deputy Minister of Natural Resources Johnny Hanford if he was aware of them. Hanford told the Standing Committee on Natural Resources he wasn't, but that but that I can say overall security for our nuclear facilities is obviously of extraordinary importance. Boy, more double talk, huh? He also told the committee he'd certainly take under advisement McGuire's suggestion that Atomic Energy of Canada consult with its American counterpart over its similar experiences with UAP. Yeah, this we've talked about this a year ago after receiving decades of reports of drone or UAP sightings. Decades of drone sightings, and how long have drones been common, really? Decades? I mean, I know maybe back 15, 20 years, but decades. A year ago, after receiving decades of reports of drone or UAP sightings over Canadian nuclear power installations in several provinces, Manitoba MP Larry McGuire asked Deputy Minister of Natural Resources John Hannaford if he was aware of them. Hannaford told the Standing Committee on Natural Resources he wasn't. But that I can say overall security of our nuclear facilities is obviously of extraordinary importance. You know, sometimes if you can't say anything worth saying, maybe just not say anything. The guy doesn't know about the drone swarms that, that, that were just infiltrating the U.S. and Canada. It was all over the papers. Doesn't know anything about that. Doesn't know anything about that. But he knows that the security of their nuclear facilities is of utmost importance. Now, it might not matter if a guy on the street wasn't aware of the drone swarms that were that had been all over uh, reported all over our nuclear facilities in the U.S. and Canada, might not matter if it was just a guy on the street. But this is the deputy minister of natural resources. So the very thing that's going to get contaminated if there's a out if there's some sort of a uh, problem with one of these nuclear facilities, the person who should be most aware of the situation doesn't have a clue. Goes on, he says he also told the committee he'd certainly take under advisement McGuire's suggestion that the Atomic Energy of Canada consult with his American counterpart over its similar experiences with UAPs. Yeah, maybe before you spend a half a million dollars shooting something down that you don't even know what it is. In a subsequent letter to Hannaford, McGuire said encounters with UAPs have been reported through normal Canadian Armed Forces channels. However, no information or investigative efforts or conclusions has ever been made public. In June 2021, then-Defense Minister Haiji Surgeon was reportedly briefed on the issue. By now, you ought to be thinking of two words. Limited hangout. And that's what I see this AER, AARO thing, or whatever you want to call it, as. Call some old guys up. Talk to him about a UFO sighting from 55, 60 years ago. Record a phone conversation. Be sure and tell them not to mention anybody else's name. That way we won't create any more leads that we have to follow up on. And then we can transcribe this phone conversation into a, you know, a nice, tidy little pamphlet that we can, ha- that we can hand the uh, Senate, Senate subcommittee the next time we round them up. 
and I can collect my job for $150,000, $200,000 a year here at the Pentagon. I've only got 25 years to retirement, maybe 15. And they just go on. And what do we learn from it? Nothing. It would have been so much better to have this disclosure done in a public forum where the information was available to the public, where they could ask questions at. Finishes up here, it says, as for the U.S. military, videos that have gone viral in recent years, skeptics have dismissed them as optical illusions amplified by distance and other factors. That's pretty much idiotic. I mean, just even accept that. I'm, I'm just so tired of hearing, I mean, I don't want to be too harsh or too nasty, but let's be honest. You're, you're getting these gun, these gun pit camera videos, and they're giving us the worst ones they've got. But you have that combined with pilot testimony. And for some debunker to come along, who doesn't have 1% of the, of the skill of one of these pilots to come along and say that that pilot didn't know what he was talking about. I, I, I think it's disrespectful to the pilot. And frankly, I just think, I, I don't know, I just think it, I, I can't think of a better word than idiotic. I, I mean, I don't know. As for the U.S. military videos have gone viral in recent years, skeptics have dismissed them as optical illusions amplified by distance and other factors. A long-awaited report issued by the Pentagon in June 2021 was unable to give an explanation for many of the unidentified aerial phenomena encounters with this naval airmen over nearly two decades. And they're not telling us anything. But both men said it's telling that, government, that governments find they can't ignore the issue and are, and are adamant their experiences are proof Earth is being visited. Well, these guys have been to a lot of, I think, UFO conferences. They've talked. I know both these gentlemen have talked about their experiences publicly. And like I said, I just think that the government had no chance, had no choice, rather, but to get them on record and interview them so that the next time that they went before the Senate, they could, you know, throw them a bone, throw them a bone. Those were extraterrestrial objects. There's no doubt in my mind because what they, because of what they did, said Salas, who'd like to see their briefings be a catalyst for congressional hearings. That would be nice. And Jacobs and Salas, Salas said the visitors focus on humanity's nuclear capabilities likely meant as a warning and one more relevant than ever given global tensions heightened by the war in Ukraine. What, it's, a short, it's a shot across the bow, said Jacobs. You know, he could be right. Could be a situation where, you know, they've run the numbers and said, look, if these idiots um, start a nuclear annihilation campaign, it's going to cause some sort of, you know, cosmic reverberation that we don't want to be bothered with. Possibility. Possibility there, it could be some other life form, some other entity, just doing survey work down here, making plans for next year, next decade, or in 50 years, what do we need to do uh, before we take them out? If we can't get rid of them with a biological weapon, maybe, you know, we need to do something a little more, I don't know, up temperature. And when we do, maybe we'll want to disable those missiles. Who knows? No matter what it is, we should be looking for answers, and we should be getting more answers than what we're getting. And it shouldn't take uh, 57 years for somebody to get a phone call to ask them about what they saw and then be told, oh, by the way, I don't want to know the names of anybody involved. Doesn't cut it for me. Sounds too much like a limited hangout 
and not um, and not enough like actual disclosure. Until next time, this is UFO Warning over and out.